0: Hello, I'm Darius McDermott from Fund Calibre, and this is the Investing on the Go podcast. Today, our guest is Alex Savides, who is the manager of the JO Hambro UK Dynamic Fund and has been elite rated since we launched Fund Calibre nearly six and a half years ago. Alex, thank you very much for taking some time to come and talk to us from what I know is a a busy time in UK equities.
1: Hi, Darius. Um, uh, yeah, thank, thanks very much for inviting us. Um, it is a busy time, busy time in UK equities, busy time in my life, having just had a third child. We were just discussing oh. off there. Yeah, <laughs> Pretty okay, crazy.
0: Congratulations. thank congratulations on that. So here we are. Um, I've seen a headline today which describes it as a Biden bounce. I tend to think it's more of a vaccine bounce that we've seen in equities globally. Um We've seen a real rotation, actually a violent rotation, to favour um, value stocks. How has your fund done, and how do you see the recovery heading into the new year?
1: Yeah, well, looking back at um, the beginning of Q3, we had to do our update for um, our clients, and it wasn't a particular, it wasn't a particularly good message at that point in time for us. Uh, we'd had three consecutive quarters of, of underperforming the market, but one thing we we did say in that slide pack um, was that. Um, you could guarantee that nothing would be the same in Q4. We had an election to look forward to. And even if Trump had romped it, I don't think anything would have been the same market-wise afterwards. Um, uh, we have still to hear on a sort of UK trade deal. And then we also had the, the sort of um, background of, of a vaccine potentially. So, you know, we were pretty confident in saying that um, the outturn in Q4 would be better. As it happens, uh, it has been a, a violent turnaround. Um uh, the fund is up sort of 10% low. I think it was up 10% last week in absolute terms yes. represented quite powerful outperformance to the market uh, maybe two 300 basis points but then uh, since the beginning of November we have turned on a 6% I mean, again in absolute terms the fund is up 21% I think um, if you look at the retail accumulation units um, quite crazy really um, but only because you know it, it, it was sort of artificially low I think coming out of Q3 um, you know, we, we we were surprised by the performance of the funding Q2 and Q3 given the news flow, but the markets were doing what they were doing and you can't fight that. Um, so, you know, I, I guess the starting point artificially low, Darius, is something to say, uh, yeah. particularly for, for a certain cohort of stocks. I'm sure we're going to talk about that. Um, so you, yeah. you don't well,
0: feel that, 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 you know, because of the quantum of the reversal, you don't think we've missed that bounce? And I, I hate... Just calling something a value rally. So, yeah, backhanded compliment, isn't it? Um, damn you for owning some,
1: something that's cheap. Um, yeah. I, no, do I think it's over? No, I, well, look, I, I can't call whether it's over or, or, or just starting, etc. But just a bit of context, maybe if we think about it as, as being driven mostly by the vaccine use flow, which, which kind of links to whether we get a normalisation trade uh, through 2021 confidence comes back and then and then sort of proper normalization through 2022 i think the chances of that have obviously gone up if we then look at the kind of cohort of stocks that were most affected by what by covid19 i could choose one from my portfolio a business called hive a global events and exhibitions business on overnight business essentially went to zero doesn't get worse than that really you know i'd say i'd say that that industry's had it worse than the travel and leisure industry and you know let's let's provide some context in in two weeks i think that share price has doubled yeah um, but if you trace it back to where it started at the beginning of the year and you have to solve for the rest you have to adjust for the rescue rights issue which was inevitable um, and the share consolidation but essentially started the year at six quid bottomed at 40 something p sit there at a pound today and are still 83 you know 18 so below yeah. their high you know the, 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 you know we can be dazzled by the percentage increase from the low and then you forget to look back at see and see where they came from um, does it happen overnight no of course it doesn't the the early win yeah okay we get some relief but then it's a staged process over the next year or so and there's still more vaccine news flow to come right we need to think about yeah. that um you know it's not just these two i mean the efficacy data fantastic right that as is, as good as we could have hoped for but um, we still need to understand more about um, how long the antibodies last, et cetera, um, all that sort of stuff. But we've still got AstraZeneca news flow to come. We've got Sanofi, Glaxo, both very powerful names in the vaccine market that have been uh, quiet so far, really, um, with some phase 1-2 data coming through at the beginning of December. Um, I'm quite, quite confident about that, given their histories with, on the one hand, Sanofi's flu uh, t- um, uh, vaccine uh, which is kind of the technology they're using. On the other hand, Glaxo's adjuvant technology. So there's more to come. That'll be important for Europe, um, uh, I think, um, just in terms of the ability to, to distribute. Distribute that. it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so look, there's there, there potentially more to come. But is this, you know, you can't have to, is, is it a dead cat bounce? Is it a flash in the pan? Is it, you know, I you know after all the pain that some cohorts have, stopped, have taken, I, I think there's more to it if this is real sustainable uh, news.
0: Before we get into companies and stocks, the other macro headline for UK investors and UK fund managers, of course, is the beautiful Brexit that, I don't know, will it ever go away? Um, we're here, we're coming up to another, another Brexit deadline. What effect do you think that's had on the UK market? And is there anything you can or are not doing in your portfolio to, to, to benefit or not from that, 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 that factor? It's a curious one. Uh, obviously, it's been ongoing
1: for a number of years now. Um, I think just, just tracking a bit, just focusing on the fund for a second, now I'll talk about the sort of market conditions. I, I think we, um, going back to when that, that Brexit vote um, came through in the UK, we were kind of net short of the UK in the way that we construct the portfolio. So broadly sparked a period of outperformance of the fund for a couple of years. Um, and uh, going so going into this year, We had started to build that UK position. Obviously, I, like other people, thought that um, the very clear majority that we got um, for the Conservative Party at the back end of last year was a a precursor to something a little bit
0: more constructive going on in the UK. Can I just interrupt you this? When you say had built a position in the UK, you're talking about your own company's earnings, Correct. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And I guess you could sort of think about it in terms of their beta to a sort of UK domestic economy and and maybe their beta to the specific Brexit news flow or trade deal news flow as well. But just, again, some context, I should have said, you know, we started uh, at the time of the um, vote leave. uh, I think we had about 18 percent of the fund that you could say was was very focused on UK earnings. Uh, so maybe 75% plus of their of their revenue and profits from the UK. And as we sort of entered 2020, that was probably 40%. Um, you know, so kind of it had doubled um, as an exposure. We, we're very open with our clients on what our exposure is, but it does leave us kind of 40 60 uh, UK overseas. Um, yeah, it's a tricky one. There, there is a clear recovery trade, right? Because um, I think let's look at it from a company's perspective. If you track the Deloitte CFO survey, ever since vote leave, it has been the number one risk for CFOs of public and private companies in the UK. What will a trade deal look like? And what does it mean for the UK economy? And therefore, they have adopted very defensive investment strategies for their companies, i.e. we won't invest. We won't hire that marginal member of staff. We won't spend on that marginal piece of capex um, to try and generate some new revenue growth because we'd rather have the cash in the bank and, and wait and see. Yeah. Um, we've then, this year, had the hollowing out of a lot of balance sheets yeah. through COVID-19. And so that defensiveness has, uh, whilst has not, has, is not going to have a chance to really pay off, is it? Um, if we don't get a good trade deal, or we don't get a trade deal, I think I should say, not a good one. I don't want to uh, try and prejudge what is or isn't good. If we don't get a trade deal, I think there are definite negative ramifications, depending on what you are, manufacturing services, um, how much trade you do with the EU, et etc., and, and what WTO rules look like for you? And you know, I won't go into the intricacies of that um, half because I don't know, and the other half because uh, it's very complex. Um, but you know, I, I do think that the the stakes are quite high. I do think, you know, give it, let's bring it right up to date. So CFOs have been defensive, but then I think a lot of balance sheets being hollowed out by COVID nineteen. That's a, that, that's a real shame. Um, that does make it more tricky. Um, I do think the news that's being leaked does just guide us towards there being a, a, a sort of deal of sorts, um, be it a thin one. Good, you know, there will be a, a deal of sorts, and that can only be good for a recovery trade. You know, the, the market was well positioned. You've seen it more than me, Darius. You know, you speak to a lot of fund managers. Um, you see a lot of data. You go to a lot of presentations. The UK has just been. Non-existent in the investment mindset of international investors for many years, yeah. uh, ever since Brexit. Um, yeah. But you could also predate that. We had lots of political issues going on. You know, we had a you know we had a, a Scottish referendum issue in the UK, and I think you could sort of you can smell under you can sort of see the underperformance of the UK relative to the rest of the world, kind of from 2016-15, Not really. 20, sort of 18 and beyond. So, uh, I, yeah, so there's uh, there's definitely a recovery trade. Whether it becomes a, I want to be structurally exposed to the UK now, because the UK is structurally more attractive to me than, say, the US or Asia-Pac or Europe, I could definitely see the argument against Europe, possibly even see the argument against the US. Um, but, you know, I think that is going to be a very high bar uh, for a lot of investors.
0: Let's talk a little bit about companies because, at the end of the day, you are a stock picker. You are a UK equity fund manager. What are you seeing from companies on the ground? What sort of differences are you seeing?
1: Well, there's a lot that they have to navigate. Um, Okay, let's deal with COVID nineteen. I I think I think what we're hearing from companies is that things have been better than expected. I think government support. I think the way that um, the way that the economy has recovered through summer in the UK. um, I think the way that Companies have managed. Um, I think the way that banks have provided support to balance sheets, um, they've been a part of the solution, not part of the problem this time around, which is fundamentally different to the financial crisis, et cetera. Um, I think you can only describe it, particularly coming out of the first half. So, coming out of lockdown into Q3 um, and the bounce that we had, plus with some government support uh, behind it. I think we've seen broadly very good news. Um, now, a lot interestingly, a lot of that news hasn't, hasn't and, and, and across our own portfolio, Darris, which is what I focus on most, um, undoubtedly, the balance of news flow through Q2 and Q3 was more positive than negative through everything that I just talked about. So so balance sheet is better than expected because cash flow management was better than expected. Earnings better than expected because the bounce back or, or management of costs was better than expected. Um, Uh, You you know, and then, you know, having less leverage, I guess, you know, links through to whether you think the shares in issue number is going to be right for for that co co for some companies um, and having more confidence about that. All should lead to ordinarily a bounce or recovery or move forward in those share prices. And I think what stood out in Q2, Q3 from a company perspective was that we had very loudly and increasingly loudly, actually, as time went on, companies saying, look, things are actually better yeah for our first thoughts then we laid out in march then we laid out in june and yet the stock market was sort of sort of shrugging its shoulders and saying so what you're not in the right factor cohort for me you're not a growth stock or you're not a momentum stock you're not exorbitantly expensive so therefore you're not high quality which is broadly the same thing it's just shortcut maths um and therefore I won't buy you until I have absolute 100% certainty and of course we had to face a second wave and a second, what a second lockdown looked like. So the answer to your question, Darius, is that broadly news flow got better all year, yet the market completely ignored it, particularly through Q2 and Q3. And sadly for us, that was quite damaging to our returns and
0: annoyed a lot of our shareholders um, out of our control. But, and there is a but in the last week, Massive but we've, we, we've seen some exciting news for um, investors in your fund or potential investors in your fund. Is you've had a huge amount of MA. Talk us a bit about that. Maybe the rest of the world, the private companies, is starting to see this value in yeah. some really not so bad UK companies.
1: Well, look, if the stock market isn't going to say, okay, we'll re rate you accordingly, who, who's going to bridge the gap? And it can only be other companies in 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 a, in a sector that maybe are private but have some some cash or or it's going to be private equity. And so yeah, look, we've had some good news, right? So I've never had this before. Um, so, four companies have been bid for in the last 12 weeks, um, so that's SDL, McCarthy and Stone, Urban and Civic and, and now Elementis, three of those are live, two were kind of industry uh, and one, one definite private equity, uh, the bid from McCarthy and Stone, uh, which is Lone Star, that's ongoing, and then the other one, Quasar. it's the Wellcome Trust going for Urban and Civic, but they're partners on a particular project so you can sort of see them as industry slash a bit of um, long-term capital. Um, yeah look there's a mismatch between the price that private buyers would pay for assets and the price that the stock market has been willing to put on assets and, and you know if that mismatch goes on for a long period of time then m a will only go up another point to make is that it was pretty clear to us coming out of q qcurr that m a was picking up in in some of the more challenged areas of the stock market um one of the reasons for that is the dry powder that we've talked about the other reason is valuation that we' talked about if if kind of Companies are doing better, but the valuation stays rock bottom. Something's going to give. Good things happen to cheap companies. To
0: Does that leave you positive then as a general outlook for 20 Yeah, 20 yeah I tell you what. I tell you UK that, but, equities and, yeah. and your, your, your fund?
1: Yeah. Uh, you know what worries me is that we lose good companies cheaply because no. of this, the way that, that money moves nowadays in sort of factor baskets, trying to chase a specific thematic. Uh, it doesn't really matter what, what idiosyncratic stuff is going on within the company. It doesn't really matter what value they might be able to create over a five to 10 year period. Um, and so the risk uh, across the portfolio is that we lose some good assets cheaply. Elementis has a sort of quasi bid. So, so the Metals Tech, uh, an industry competitor, uh, US listed, wants to bid 107. This, these shares started, let's go back to 2018. They did a big deal in 2018. They bought some leverage onto the balance sheet and they started at that point at £2.50. And they bottomed at roughly 20p. And, and now they sort of rallied with, with the market a bit and Metals Tech wants to pay 107. Am I going to support that bid? No, I'm not. I'm not. Now, there are some questions that the management team have to answer about what they did with the acquisitions, but I'm certainly not going to give up on that company and the good assets it has. At the wrong price. So, so the answer is undoubtedly that there is more value to be captured from the, from these stocks. Um, but the worry is that we lose them too cheaply. Not everyone is going to say no to a bid. There, you know, some shareholders will be so in, desperately in need of the cash they'll take the cash and run. Yeah. Um, you know. So so we have to be very careful. But the arbitrage is still very much alive and it's going to stay alive next year. If you if you have a good balance sheet and you can borrow up two and you're borrowing again on you're buying uh, on an earnings yield of like 8 to 10 in the UK, which it was sort of coming into Q4, that's a pretty good arbitrage, if you ask me. And if you have a mindset that is 10 years, not 10 months, or 10 weeks, then I think you can see very clearly how you can generate value for your shareholders. I find it amazing that the stock market doesn't like to support companies that are cheap or value, yet will throw money at private equity and ask them to do the job for us. Yeah. Of course, you know because you've been invested in the fund that part of what we try and do is is to think like private equity and have a five to ten year view, business transformation. How can we add value to 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 a company? So it does. It is galling in the extreme to lose good companies. McCarthy and Stone, the bid by Lone Star is cheeky in the extreme, um, but clever then.
0: Alex, look, thank you very much for a real time um, finger on the pulse view on UK equities. I think I will just sum up maybe some of the things that we've said to each other today. UK. Equities totally unloved, both domestically and globally. Maybe some Brexit resolution. Maybe some positive and improving COVID news. And then most importantly, a really cheap valuation starting point that means 2021 and and looking out could be uh, a good spot for for, for UK equities. So, Alex, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Darius. Uh, For more information on the JR Hamro UK Dynamic Fund, Please visit fundcalibur.com. or if you'd like to hear more of the Investing on the Go podcast, please subscribe via your normal podcast station. Please remember, we've been discussing individual stocks to bring investing to life for you. It is not a recommendation to buy or sell. The fund may or may not still hold these stocks at the time of listening.